The race for San Diego's next mayor is tightening, with the latest polling showing both candidates within the margin of error. Assemblyman Todd Gloria and Councilwoman Barbara Bree are both Democrats, and one of them will replace outgoing Mayor Kevin Faulkner, who is a Republican. Still, about one quarter of voters remain undecided. Given the unprecedented conditions surrounding this election, it's still unclear which candidate San Diegans see as being best able to guide the city out of these uncertain times. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. David Garrick, who covers City Hall for the San Diego Union-Tribune, and you're covering the mayor's race. Let's start with the poll itself. How surprising are these results that the race is so close? You know, I guess they're not that surprising in the sense that a month ago we had a poll that was also really close, but I think people would have been really surprised in March because in the primary, Todd Gloria was in first by a mile and Barbara Bree barely sort of squeaked into the runoff, barely edging out Republican Scott Sherman. So back then, I think you'd be like, wow. But, uh, but a month ago, like I said, there was a poll where she was actually slightly ahead, mm-hmm. also within the margin of error. Yeah. And uh, Brian and Gloria are both uh, Democrats, but there are some splits. Uh, Can you define the coalitions that each one has formed in the general election? Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, Barbara Bree is a Democrat, and a lot of folks have have criticized her recently for sort of maybe shifting more to the center, even maybe center right, um, because she had to differentiate herself from Gloria. Not sure how fair that is. It's certainly clear on certain issues, but I, I, I think it's an interesting question. Um, but she's gaining a lot of ground with independents and Republicans, probably partly because of shifting her position on some of those issues, particularly housing in single-family neighborhoods, proposals to put denser housing projects in those areas to sort of solve the housing crisis. Uh, But other issues, too, uh, lifting the height limit in the sports arena area. Um, Republicans, I think, tend to be more like anti, you know, they want to keep the San Diego the way it is, their homeowners along the coast. And that's maybe oversimplifying, but I think an overgeneralization, but I think that's partly true. Um, but, uh, you know, Gloria is supported by the Democratic Party, but also by the San Diego Regional Chamber of Commerce, which tends to lean a little right, uh, and developers who tend to lean a little right. So he's got a big coalition, too. This is not a clear-cut, simple Simon. The left has on this side and the right is on that side. There's a bunch of different coalitions going all different directions on this one. Yeah, it's certainly interesting. As uh, the region has become more and more blue, you're seeing our races become much more nuanced and focused on specific issues, not just party identification. I think that's true. We have two city council races in the suburbs that are more of old-fashioned Republican versus Democrat races. But you're right, the other races this year, I think, match up with your description. Mm -hmm. And do we know much about people who haven't decided yet? Is there any kind of, you know, things we can understand by looking at some of the cross tabs in this poll? I have to say, I mean, maybe someone smarter at statistics than me could figure it out. Normally, you figure the Democrats are going to vote more late so and maybe decide later. So the undecideds would maybe go toward the Democrat. But we have two Democrats in this race. So that you throw that one out the window. Um, I guess Gloria has more support from traditional Democrats. So maybe that would benefit him. But that seems like a, an iffy, an iffy you know, assertion I just made there. So I think it's up in the air. 23%, almost 24% are still undecided. That's a huge chunk of people. And this is a really important race. Not that all races aren't important, but this is the first open mayor seat in San Diego since 2014. Um, you know, this is a big city, and this is a as we have, San Diego has a strong mayor form of government. So this is not just a mayor that you would have in a smaller city. This is someone who runs the city. This is like the city manager and the mayor all in one. This is a big deal. Mm-hmm. And given that this election is different with the pandemic and ballots coming out early and the push for mail uh, voting sooner than normal, 
Have there been differences in messaging in ways each candidate is trying to get out the vote? Uh, you know, that's a good question. They both are running TV ads. I feel like most of their messaging has really been, uh, uh, you know, attack ads against each other. There's independent committees supporting that do the attack ads, and then the candidates spend their own money to sort of talk about their own qualifications. Uh, but there's been a lot of attacking. You know, one of the I wrote a big story on Sunday, sort of drawing the distinctions between the the, the two two candidates on short-term vacation rentals and housing and, and a lot of other issues. Uh, but a lot of the ads they've been writing are, running have been focused on the Ash Street issue. That's a building downtown that the city bought. So you know, there's some some mudslinging going on. As far as them focusing on getting people to vote more quickly, I haven't seen ads like that, but there's a lot of ads out there. Maybe I've missed them. And at this point, do we know of any of these attack ads really sticking? Because it seems like in a race like this where, you know, people don't always pay attention to local politics the same way they do to national ones, a successful attack ad can really define your opponent and could, you know, push a race one way or the other. Have you found one that people tend to notice more than others? Um, you know, I have to say the fact that there are a lot of the ads ran in between our first poll and our second poll and that the results seem about the same makes me think maybe the ads aren't making a difference. Also, though, you don't have one candidate with a lot of money and the other candidate without, even though Gloria has a little bit more money, they both have a lot of money and they both have resources. So I think maybe they're canceling each other out, those attack ads. I mean, you know, it's hard to know what's what's resonating with voters. But I mean, it's interesting in most local races that the candidates don't have enough money for TV ads. This is a race where both candidates are raised about $2 million each, and that doesn't count money raised for them by independent committees supporting their candidacies. So they both have a lot of money for a local race. You don't see city council races where there's ads on TV. You know, the last time we saw ads on TV in San Diego politics were, was it, uh, ads in favor of the Charger Stadium Initiative and then the, the Soccer City. Th those types of things are the only things large enough typically where they have enough money to run TV ads. Mm-hmm. And oddly enough, even though we're in this pandemic, this local election seems to be focused on the issues that are always issues in San Diego, homelessness, housing, vacation rentals. Can you give us kind of a primer on kind of what each candidate thinks? Uh, why don't you start with Gloria? Can you explain his views when it comes to solving homelessness? Uh, yeah, and we can maybe issue by issue might be the way to do it. I mean, on, on homelessness, Gloria is a housing first guy, and that's sort of a national best practice saying the way to solve homelessness is to get the people off the street, figure out what counseling they need and deal with it that way, but housing first. Bree used to be a housing first person, but she said she's looked at the data and she's been frustrated that San Diego hasn't really had a lot of success. And so now she has sort of, I guess I call it a hybrid model where housing is important, but there may be some instances where the first thing you do with someone is drug counseling or mental health counseling before you give them housing or in conjunction. Um, so, you know, Gloria has criticized her stance as something that's not really a best practice anywhere. Um, I think her argument is that the shelters are not part of Housing First. We have bridge shelters in town. Housing First is permanent housing first. So the shelters sort of veer from the Housing First model. I think a lot of folks think the shelters are a good idea. I think that there's fewer people, homeless people on the streets of the gas lamp because of the shelters. So, you know, I think you can see merits on both sides. I think, I think Todd makes a fair point that he is working within a best practice that's established, and she is not. Mm -hmm. And on housing, uh, can you divide these two candidates? That's, the, that's the, maybe the biggest difference, I think. They would both agree. Um, you know, Todd has, has passed state legislation and has been involved in state legislation. That sort of takes away local control because the idea is that some communities across California are willing to do their fair share. They don't want to, you know, uh, communities like in San Diego, maybe Coronado and Poway would be examples 
of cities where they don't want more housing. They have a great quality of life there and they don't feel that they need any more housing. But the state has a housing crisis and they would like to see communities like that absorb more housing. How do you solve that? Todd says state legislation is one way to solve that. He says it's not going to dramatically change the way of life in those communities. They're going to put housing along the edges of the community, along major transportation corridors, right? Barbara says that giving up local control is the wrong answer and that's the wrong solution. And that even if a dense development even ends up coming into a neighborhood, having that local control gives the neighborhood leverage to negotiate with the developer to get more parks, to get another library, to get wider streets. When you give out that local control, the local residents lose leverage. I think they're both compelling you know, cases. I think we don't know how this is going to turn out. Mm -hmm. One other one I'll go over is short-term vacation rentals. Todd thinks that the industry, these are oversimplifications on all their points, but Todd thinks that the industry should be regulated and allowed to, to exist, but let's crack down and make sure that it is done fairly and properly and we charge fees and it's policed. And then Bree feels like we should just uh, enforce our existing laws, which basically makes most of them illegal or a big chunk of them illegal. Um, and however you stand on it, Todd has gotten a lot of money from the Airbnbs and the vacation rental industry. Barbara criticizes him for that. He says he's got to take money from them because she's a wealthy entrepreneur on her own and he isn't. Um, and she has gotten the endorsement of Save San Diego Neighborhoods, which is sort of the most high-profile, pro-resident, anti-short-term vacation rental group. So looks like the, the, that their stands on that have divided up, you know, who's, who's for them and who's against them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and from hearing that rundown, it makes sense why uh... – you know, the, the split is exactly where you see it, in which uh, Todd Gloria is, you know, more to the left on a number of issues, but historically, uh, more liberal voters tend to not turn out as much. So it kind of makes sense that this is the perfect toss-up race because all the fundamentals are kind of like canceling each other out here. I, I think that may be true. And I have to say, I think it's kind of a, probably a shock to Gloria's camp because I really think he really thought, you know, he's geared himself for this office for a long time. He served as interim mayor for eight months during the Filner era scandal. You know, and and he uh, he's really uh, geared himself for this office, and I think he thought he was he was going to be you know the favorite. I think he still probably is the favorite, but I mean I think Bree has run a surprisingly effective campaign, and I think it's interesting. I think it's a great opportunity for San Diego voters to really participate and figure out where they want their city to head. So I think it's a, a good thing for the city. Mm -hmm. And at this point, has either candidate said what they're going to do differently when it comes to real estate deals? Because with the 101 Ash Street controversy and the former skydiving center in East Village, the city's been under a lot of scrutiny for how it's been purchasing buildings. Has anyone said, hey, this is going to happen again under my watch? They've certainly said that. And they've certainly said that, you know, all the things that even Mayor Faulkner is saying, how I mean, you need to do appraisals, you need to be more thorough and you need to operate more like a business than a you know, government just handing out money without really doing the proper uh, you know, background checks. So, um, you know, I think they both have tried to use that as something that would help them. You know, I, when I was writing my story for this past Sunday, I interviewed them both about the topic and I didn't end up including it because I think there was a lot other stuff that really drew a stark difference between the candidates. And I think that's a situation where, you know, to, to give a quick summary, uh, Gloria will blames Bree because she continued to vote in favor of maybe fixing the building and trying to refurbish it. And he blames her for that. She says that he was in on the city council when it got approved. It was in his district because he used to represent downtown and that he was sort of the champion leading the charge. He says he wasn't the champion leading the charge. He just knew about it because it was in his district. So he had a little bit more information. She says just because she voted for a renovation, it's like, what are you going to do? I mean, it's like you've got a bad lemon. You've got to sort of try to make lemonade out of it. 
you know, and I didn't include that because it was a whole lot of explanation without a whole lot of opportunity for voters to really draw a distinction. If anybody's voting for mayor based on how the Ash Street went down, I think they're looking at the wrong issues. And it's not for me to say, I'm just a reporter, but I really think that both candidates have tried to blame each other on that. And I just don't really see that either really deserves a lot of the blame for that. Yeah, and it sounds like the real solution to preventing problems like that is just more transparency when it comes to these kind of deals and not rushing into it. So, you know, if, if they take, you know, make promises of being more transparent, that is kind of a way of addressing the series of events that caused this to happen. Yeah, well, that harkens back to what I said before, though. Remember, this is a race for mayor. City council members, they don't have a lot of power. They just vote yes or no on legislative proposals. The mayor really runs the city. This is a strong mayor form of government. So whichever of these two people wins, Todd Gloria or Barbara Bree, is going to be able to figure out how to, to avoid those things much more than anyone on the city council will. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this, this person has a, just they hire all the department heads. They sign off on everything. And so, you know, that's why Mayor Faulkner's taking so much blame on Ash Street, because it was his administration. He was in charge, you know, and so whoever wins will be in charge of fixing this problem. And we'll be in charge of making sure that this kind of thing doesn't happen anywhere else in the city. Mm-hmm. And the pandemic has also caused serious revenue problems within the city. Does that have any effect on the race itself? Because obviously having less money makes it difficult for, you know, big plans to come to fruition. I think you're right. I think it's a huge challenge for the city. But I have to say both of them are very similar on this issue. I, I tried to look for distinctions and I think they both are saying the right things. We're going to have a shortage of revenue as a city because tourism revenue is down and that's San Diego's lifeblood. Um, but I don't think they have any radically different solution proposals on how to deal with that. I mean, when you run out of money, you have to make strategic cuts. You try to avoid public safety. You try to avoid things you know, like roads and sewers because those are we need those to function. And you end up cutting things like libraries and recreation programs that are important programs, but they're luxury items relative to police, fire, and sewer. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're, you know, just a matter of weeks away from the election, even though people are voting now. Do we expect any more polls coming into the next few weeks, or is this kind of it? Uh, I'm sure there'll be other polls. I don't know if the Union Tribune and 10 News have another poll schedule. I think we may have one more scheduled in this race before the election. Uh, we've also been doing polling in congressional races and, and supervisorial races that we've been rotating one poll per week on a Tuesdays. Um, so, but I mean, I know that the, the campaigns have done internal polling and I know Gloria had a poll a few weeks ago that showed him up by 15. We've had two polls that show it as a dead heat. So I don't know what sort of methodologies different people are using to come up with different results, you know, how you ask the questions or whatever. So, um, I don't know. I'd be interested to see his poll. He hasn't released it publicly. Um, but anyway, we've had two and they both showed it within the margin of error and very, very close. Mm-hmm. All right. David Garrick. Thank you so much. Thanks, Daniel. Thank you for listening to the San Diego News Fix. If you want to include the San Diego Union-Tribune in your morning routine, check out our daily flash briefing. Every weekday morning, hear a quick summary of the day's top stories. Just search San Diego Union-Tribune wherever you get your podcasts, including smart speakers. Until next time.